it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We get closer to closer to Super Bowl Sunday and freedom. From all these COVID restrictions, I hope. Carly Schimpkis at the bottom of the hour. We have a lot to discuss today. The President of the United States uh, hopes to talk about health care. He's going to sit there with um, his HHS secretary, this epic failure, uh, Xavier Bashera, who people are saying if you're critical of him, that only means one thing, that you don't like Hispanics. The Hispanic community is upset at Joe Biden for not defending him more. Incredible. Uh, and uh, the vice president doing something let me see. I did write that down. Uh, the president could deliver remarks highlighting the Biden administration's work to lower health care costs and Secretary of Labor and Secretary of Energy Granholm will deliver remarks regarding electric cars. Has anyone noticed what's happened to the economy and to gas and oil? We're worried about electric cars. Right. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 7.5% is where inflation came in year over year. That is the highest in 40 years. Food went up 7% year over year. We talk about year over year energy. Energy is up uh, year over year 27%. Uh, Pretty significant, wouldn't you think? Inflation nation. We're at 7.3%. Just this morning, excuse me, 7.5%. How have rising prices impacted you and your family? Number two. I definitely see a change, and I'm not the only one. You can look at the polls. There's been a 19-point drop in people who think he's cognitively fit to be our president now. Uh, Over 50% of the population thinks that he's not. And, you know, this is a serious issue. And that is Ronnie Jackson, a doctor to three presidents, Bush, Obama, and Trump. And now he's congressman from Texas. President Obama, uh, Biden's approval plummets, and both parties are experiencing internal feuds, which potentially could derail their interim hopes and dreams. Will the first one to settle their scores win the midterms? I say yes. Number one. It was an emergency, temporary measure put in place literally two months ago. And at this time, we say that is the right decision to lift this mandate for indoor businesses and let counties, cities, and businesses to make their own decisions on what they want to do. But now when it comes to schools, that's the New York Governor Hochul. She's going to wait till after the winter break. A leader without followers. That's how I characterize President Biden as it relates to COVID policies. As America tears away the restrictions and closes in on normalcy. What nine blue states are doing and how they're leaving Biden behind. Plus, how a Canadian convoy is waking up the world to the to the trouble that people are having with two years of lockdown shutdowns. So 
I think what's happening in Canada is remarkable. If we heard truckers don't want to get vaccinated, they said we want to make our own decisions. We're isolated by ch- by nature anyway. What is the big deal? No one will listen. So before getting fired, they ringed Ottawa with all these trucks. And then out came the people who said we've been more locked down than any other time. I can't get back to school. I can't get back to work. I can't get back to my life. I can't go back to the restaurants. It's got to stop now. Now, with flooding Ottawa, the capital has been virtually shut down, but they weren't done yet. The convoy has now shut off the most populous and used bridge leading to America, right here, already affecting the car manufacturers here in America, and the supply chain is further stressed. I'm for it, and here's why. Despite the sacrifice, it's all on Trudeau, and it's all on President Biden. There's a shutdown, there's lockdown, responsible and irresponsible so far. With cases dropping the way it is, with Omicron being what it is, there is no way we should be shut down this long to begin with. People are tired of being fired for not getting vaccinated and double-vaxxed and boosted. They're sick of being ordered around, regardless of where they stand. And that's why this whole Canadian convoy really matters. So I'm pretty sure if you look back at what's going on in this country, we're going to remember this week. And I said it when the Johns Hopkins study came out. You could choose not to run the Hopkins study, but we saw it anyway. And we saw that natural immunity first is as good, if not better, than immunity you get from a vaccine. Then we see that all the shutdowns, lockdowns, and sacrifices didn't amount to saving many lives, 0.02%. 0.02%. So you combine those two things, you say, why exactly am I wearing a mask when we were told by Scott Gottlieb it didn't work? They aren't effective after all these years. So we're told this. In fact, I'll read you the quote. This was one of the many turning points for me. Cloth masks aren't going to provide a lot of protection. That's the bottom line. This is an airborne illness. We now understand that. And a cloth mask is not going to protect you from a virus that spreads through airborne transmission. It will protect better through droplet transmission, something like the flu, but not something like the coronavirus. Excuse me? So I'm locked down for no reason. I'm made to wear a mask for no reason. Kids have to wear it for no reason. Are you kidding me? Meanwhile, these are the types of um, leaders that we have. I had to check myself on that. Randy Weingarten runs the teachers' union. So she is saying, oh, we want to open up. It's so hard on teachers. But listen to her criteria. This is why your kid is wearing a mask today. Cut eight. How do we make sure that people can plan for it and, and what are the measures so that everybody knows? So it doesn't feel like it's based upon politics. It feels like it's based upon um, making sure that there's no transmission in school. And it feels like the four or five different factors, which is what New Jersey used, are um, vaccination rates. That's what Massachusetts uses. Low community spread. And here's what she said is the criteria for her. Cut seven. I am in favor of an off-ramp on mass. Right. The real issue becomes, is the spread low enough so that there's no dissemination or transmission in schools? And it's not the teachers transmitting to kids. It's more kids and kids. Is she out of her mind? Do you know what she's saying? She's saying zero transmission as long as there's no transmission in schools. Kids get colds. They get the flu. They give it to their families. That's called life. We're still waiting on the CDC to say something like, let's get back to life. But if I give, bring you Washington, now they made some improvements. They're still ridiculous. They waived outdoor mask mandates. Indoor, not yet. Rhode Island, they end school mask mandates immediately. 
Oregon, partial. New York, partial, up to the counties. Most will say yes. New York City says no. Massachusetts, they end the school mass date right away. Illinois, not for kids, for everything else. And I look at the governors. Governor Murphy sounds like a Republican. There is learning loss in our kids, mental health and stress among kids and adults. Folks are yearning for normalcy. That's why he did it. Connecticut, Ned Lamont, residents have the tools to keep themselves safe and cautions. You're not going to get an all-clear sign. I agree. Delaware, John Carney, a leader without followers is not a very effective leader. You have to strike that balance there to keep people following you, and that's what you have not done. Governor DeSantis, who was first and took all the slings and arrows, cut four. These kids are so much happier being able to go to school without having to wear masks for eight hours a day. So when you start to see them kind of reevaluate or say all this, just understand this. The science didn't change. Well, the medical science didn't change. The political science changed. They feel the heat. They know that voters have been tired of perpetual lockdown policies. They know that they have basically offered no off-ramp, and, and they know that they're fixing to get whooped at the polls. And so that's what's causing the epiphany. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, if they had looked at the actual science from the beginning, uh, they would have known that this was something that Florida was right on. Listen, if, if you were a parent, and you want to, I want to say, you know, you have uh, your vulnerability, your kid's coming off a serious illness, has asthma, and you want to feel secure, do what you have to do. Do not, ri- and if you're a kid and if you're a parent, do not ridicule anyone from wearing a mask. We just want it to be a choice. And just know that experts say the cloth masks really don't do much. And if you really are concerned and if you have an underlying condition or you're a grandparent with one or a parent with one, put an N95 mask on because that'll protect you. These cloth masks don't protect anyone. So you would think getting the cue from these nine blue states, their restrictions have to be cut out, that they would react. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, not ready to do it. Cut six. We've always said that these decisions are going to have to be made at the local level um, and that policies at the local level will look at local cases. At this time, we continue to recommend masking in areas of high and substantial transmission. Um, That's much of the country right now in public indoor settings. What are you talking about? That means schools. She says keep the masks on in schools. That means keep it on at work. Absolutely not. We're not doing it. We understand. We think we can keep ourselves safer than you. A lot of the information you gave, intentional or not, was flat out wrong. We're done. We're finished. We're through. That's some of the outrage we're seeing north of the border. A lot of Americans there, by the way. Cut 16. There's been a lot of talk about people here, the truckers, not being uh, kind, uh, that there's a lot of violence, that they're yeah. racist. Are you, what are you seeing? I, I would say that's, that's baloney. They're not showing the truth, so they're not showing the whole picture. How frustrated are you with that? Because I, 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 that's what I've been getting from everybody here it's today. It's frustrating because you only see one side of the story. They're only painting the pictures of that one, those few bad apples out of the bunch. So just leave us alone, let us be, open it up. What do you have to say to Prime Minister Trudeau? He should be out, he should have came out and talked to everybody at the very beginning instead of calling people Nazis and there's nobody like that here. He's got to listen. Does it surprise you that the Prime Minister and others are trying to threaten people who are helping you? I'm not surprised by by that. Uh, When you don't uh, have anything on anybody, you tend to call names and make things up. That's what they're doing. 
that is what they're doing. I just don't know how it ends. They really upped the ante with this Michigan bridge. And look out. There's an American movement uh, that could be coming March 1st. And some say there's even going to be a caravan that could be hitting the Super Bowl because people are fed up. They don't want to be harassed. They want to get back to their lives. Today on Fox and Friends, I interviewed two firefighters, male and woman. And they, they both are about to get fired. One's been fired without pay, not fired, but sent home without pay for the last month because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. He says, I have natural immunity. I, natural immunity does work. And she says, I just don't want to get vaccinated. Even as my husband, we're about to both lose our jobs. So we're losing firefighters who work before we even knew what, what this disease was. Through it, they had no option. You, you're a firefighter. Go work. Not telling you. Don't tell me you're scared. Go work. Oh, you're not vaccinated? Go home. Really? We're tired of it. They're tired of it. I love that this started with truck, truck drivers, uh, because it's so asinine to say that truck drivers got to be double vaccinated. They almost never interact with people. We'll discuss it all. Listen, I'm going to take your calls in just a moment. I, if I keep talking, I will we'll leave no time for you. So I don't want to do that. one 408 I want to talk about that inflation up a staggering 7.5%. 0.4 increase in a month. Stunning. Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. talk show that's real this is the brian kilmeade show in a bulletin to law enforcement the department of homeland security says it received reports a convoy of truckers plans to potentially block roads in major metropolitan cities and severely disrupt transportation the dhs alert says the convoy could begin sunday in los angeles the site of the super bowl gathering truckers as they travel across the country possibly reaching Washington, D.C. on March 1st, the same day as the State of the Union. Unbelievable. Can you imagine that? Uh, It would send a great message, but if they know ahead of time, these guys will pull out the Army. So you want the Army against the blue-collar truckers? Good luck with that image, working-class Joe. Joe, listen to WRCN on Long Island. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brian. Good morning. That was a great opening, and I love your Saturday show. That's the biggest TV I've ever seen you got there. But, uh, Listen, the vote vote is no. We've been lied to from the beginning. This uh, Dr. Fauci, he said in Feb 2020, came right out with his 40 years of experience as epidemiologist and everything else he is, NIH, masks don't work. 
And then he flip-flopped when he uh, politically not uh, good for his party there, Democrats. And Dr. Wen, the head of Planned Parenthood, you quoted yesterday she was on. She said months ago in an interview, face masks are nothing but political theater. And, 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 and the Democrats, they need to be held accountable for what they've done to our children. Uh, hey, Joe, how many kids do you have again? I have 10 children. Are they in masks? Yes, it's, it's horrific what they're doing to them. They've destroyed their lives, Brian. And it, it, Hochul needs to be, I call her Hochul the horrible, what she's doing, keeping these kids a day longer. It's torture at this point. There's no reason. They know the masks don't work. These poor children haven't seen They need to see facial expressions, even babies. That's how they learn. So, Joe, and quick thing. Have you noticed a change in your kids' demeanor uh, since they started wearing masks two years ago? Absolutely. There's a total change of demeanor. They're, they're shy, they're introverted, or whatever they call that. They're, they're not outgoing. It's, it's criminal what they've destroyed these seniors' lives. They're prompt. They've destroyed these children. The children are not learning. They need to see smiles, growls, you know, they're not happy. That's how they learn. It's behavior. This is criminal what the Democrats have done. They, these kids, it's horrible seeing them go out of the door to the bus stop, on the bus with these masks on. There's no reason for it. It's like we talked about. Uh, chorus, third grade chorus the other night. They're all up there. The kids did great. Singing, taking them on. Take, I heard your interview with Mike Rowe yesterday. It was phenomenal. And it's exactly that. It is so ridiculous at this point. Why are they doing this? This is communism 101. They're taking people's identity gotcha. away. Gotcha. Joe, I hear your passion. I, I got to get some other people in. Bob, listen, WLAD. Bob. Hey, morning, Brian. Hey, I, I couldn't agree more with Joe. I just want to say to all the Americans out there, don't get fooled by these Democrats. They're, they're only turning cheek like Murphy and Lamont because of the polls, and it's obvious. And if they get back in, we're going to be back in the Democrat reign with mandates and control and power. That's Hey, that's hey, hey Bob, that, that's the thing. They're going to look to take credit for it when they deserve the exact opposite. Anthony Fauci, people are going to say, you brought us through it. No, you didn't. Everything you said was wrong. You missed two exactly. variants. You missed the virus. You misdiagnosed the virus. You said it'd be no problem here. You told us masks don't work. And it's different if you or I can't figure it out. We've never been through a pandemic. But this is all this guy has done for 40 years. How could he not know? How could he not know within an instinct if it was the asymptomatic spread, if it was an aerosol, whether it went through the, uh, through the air? They make a statement a year and a half ago. Oh, by the way, you can't get it outdoors. Really? Oh, yeah, can't get it from services. Excuse me? Can't get it from services. I've been, I've been wiping down my cereal for, uh, for six months. So, uh, Bob, they've been totally wrong. They will not be let off the hook. Just let the American people not forget the way he left Afghanistan. I'm convinced of it. His numbers are now at 39% approval rating. He's got a bad staff. And what I think is most infuriating, he does not even meet on a go to his governor's conference calls to find out what is really happening across the country. What is their greatest fear? What is their greatest need? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. When we come back, Carly Shimkus is here. Will she show up? I don't know. Not sure. I... A radio show like no other. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. Inflation is a tax because your money goes mm-hmm. less farther. Your so worth less. what you couldn't got it for ten bucks uh, a year ago would take eleven bucks now or twelve bucks. So it, it's it's a reflection of a tax that in of itself uh, is what the deteriorates. Uh, you know, it, it crushes everything. It's an it's it's like rust in a pipe in your homes, right? It's like termites in your house. It deter it deteriorates the foundation. So that's why it's a tax. It's because it it crushes everything that you've worked for, and and it, and it, and you're going backwards in life instead of forward. So milk, soybeans, uh, coffees that are high, corn, it all is going absolutely through the roof. But there's a consequence when you spend a whole lot of money. It's like going out and partying all night. It's a lot of fun. When you're knocking them back, it's a lot of fun when you're laughing with your friends. But when the bill comes due, when the hangover comes, it's not as much fun. And many times people say, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't do it the same way. All right. That is Charles Payne responding uh, uh, on the fly to the 7.5% inflation rate. It's stunning. Uh, The market does not like it. It's down 254 points. Now, Carly Shimkus uh, disagrees with Charles Payne. She likes inflation to rise, which is strange. Joining us now yes. is Carly Shimkus. Yeah, absolutely. You That's want the hill that I'm going to die on. Love inflation. <laughs> um, no, I love Charles Payne. He was absolutely right. Bad, a really bad headline for the Biden administration to be waking up to, I think, the highest uh, estimate was 7.4%, and it was even higher than that. They loved the jobs numbers last week, which is fine. Yeah, they, they were great numbers. Mm-hmm. It was stunning to the experts. I thought that President experts. Biden had a, a pretty good week last week, Right. Uh, to be fair. And the Killing Republicans the the made party. it even better for him. I know, I know. I, I heard you talking about that, and I agree with you on that as well. But killing the leader of ISIS, uh, good job. Um, the jobs number, also good. Um, and then th- this week, it is back down to what we're used to seeing out of this administration, and it's bad news after bad news. The approval rating, 39% uh, for the very first time. Former President Trump got dinged uh, by poor approval ratings constantly. He was higher than President Biden at this point. And at this point in his presidency, he had not hit 39 uh, anywhere in the 30s yet. So Biden is lower than Trump, Bush, and Obama at this time in his presidency. How about that? So this is what people are saying. And I know Ronnie Jackson really believes he's cognitively uh, deficient. And he really feels this is not the same guy. Watch his old tapes. He was a doctor to three prior presidents, uh, Republican and Democrat. Here's what Miranda Devine said. I want to hear Carly Shimkus. What do you think of this theory? You're the same Carly Shimkus from Fox and Friends first, right? Eh, I don't know. Right. 22. The Democrats are not going to allow him to do a cognitive test just because Republicans are urging them to. Uh, They're not going to do it until they're ready to get rid of him. Now, that may come sooner rather than later. But at the moment, he's convenient. While he's useful to them, they will keep him. The other problem is... I I think that by just uh, attributing all his incompetence, all the disasters in his first year simply to his cognitive unfitness is not correct and it's really not fair to the American people. Some of the just bad decisions. Yeah. That's what he's done. I thought Miranda Devine made a very good point there. Um, The cognitive test thing used to be something that people couldn't really openly talk about. It was always a little, you know, you got a little nervous when it was brought up because you didn't want to offend or assume or um, say anything, um, you know, uh, that could come back to bite you. Now it's being discussed more openly because poll numbers show about half of the American population um, does not think that 
President Biden is fit for office at this mm-hmm. point in his life. Um, but I think that Miranda Devine is right. Yes. Um, does he get things wrong on the fly when he's doing press conferences? Uh, absolutely. That is something that you can typically count on with him. Um, but the decisions that he makes and the direction that we're going um, is is very calculated by him and his administration. Um, and, you know, the open border situation is something that he campaigned on. And boy, is it happening. And it is a bigger disaster than I think anybody could have ever imagined. You were just at the border. I was. Yeah, I was. Um, I was about 56 miles uh, north of the border. I was talking to some ranchers. It's for a piece that's going to air on Fox and Friends first, I think Fox and Friends as well, um, in the lead up to um, the State of the Union address, um, just gauging what's really going on down there. And, you know, the sentiment that um, was expressed to me was that, you know, President Biden, his whole M.O. in terms of illegal immigration and the border issue is that he's trying to be compassionate. And, you know, these ranchers whose ranches are they're getting completely destroyed by illegal immigrants crossing through them. They're saying, you know what, if you think that these policies are compassionate. Well, they're compassionate towards the wrong people because we're American citizens and we're suffering the consequence of these actions. Absolutely. So a couple of things I want to drill down on. You know, we know about President uh, Biden, up or down, he's the president. But below him, they're not getting along. Big story in Axios today, how Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin not even talking because Joe Manchin, the moderate Republican and Chuck Schumer, the leader, thought he could convince Joe Manchin. They have a long time relationship. I wouldn't say friendship. And at the end, build back better, voting rights, filibustered. He's not going along with it. Yeah. And they're not as mad at Kirsten Sinema anymore. They were really mad at her. They're mad at him. They're barely even talking. So the president's looking to rebrand and bring back build back better. But you can't do that if Schumer and Manchin aren't even talking. You're at 50-50. I mean, and just think about how we started this conversation, talking about you know 40-year high inflation, and you're thinking about rebranding Build Back Better. Is that crazy? Pumping more money into the system. What are they thinking? And a majority of people um, don't even think that Build Back Better would really help them financially. So, you know, right. they're they're saying that this is going to be the thing that they want that that will turn around President Biden's poll numbers, and it's just they're just wrong. It absolutely well, won't. Look, I'm happy when the numbers go up on jobs. They were supposed to be minus 150,000 to be plus 400,000. Yeah, that was huge. I was happy that we killed the leader of ISIS. But on a side note, in, in examining this and talking to people, it looks like we're not invested in the area. And just killing the lead guy doesn't matter because we're basically pulling out of Iraq. We're getting our people out of Syria. We're not engaged in that region. And we're going to be with blinders on. It is and with Iran. Now closer and closer. There was a briefing yesterday about Iran, and Republicans and Democrats came out with their heads spinning because it looks like they're within a v- months, a few months of uh, nuclear weapon. Yeah. And now that they have China and Russia, who will never go along with us on anything anymore. But then you see all these other things. Republicans going after Republicans. First you see Mike Pence, and I don't blame him, say to Donald Trump was wrong. I couldn't have overturned the election. Gets attacked back by Trump. And then you see the RNC censure Cheney and Kinzinger. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? I know. And then they said they tried to diminish the uh, the January 6th riots. Now, a lot of people just walk through like tourists. Other people were trying to kill, you know, kill or wrestle cops to the ground. Absolutely violent. So then Mitch McConnell comes out and says, yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't think Republicans should be doing this. And then Donald Trump today went after Mitch McConnell. Here's the senator yesterday, cut 24. With regard to the suggestion that the RNC should be in the business of picking and choosing Republicans who ought to be supported, uh, traditionally the view of 
the National Party Committees is that we support all members of our party, regardless of their positions on some issues. Do you have confidence in her, Ronald McDaniels, chairman of the committee? Uh, I, I do, but the, the issue is whether or not the RNC should be sort of singling out members of our party who may have different views from the majority. That's not the job of the RNC. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, listen, I think that one of the strengths of the Republican Party is that um, everybody is typically on the same page. If you're a conservative, you um, believe uh, typically in the very same things when it comes to low taxes, small government, strong borders, solid policing, typically you're pro-life. I mean, those are the fundamentals of what makes a conservative conservative. The Democratic Party, um, they try and spin it as a strength, but it can it can play out as a weakness and that they're such a big tent that they, they disagree on a lot. I mean, the Democratic Party goes from mm-hmm. AOC to, uh, to um, Joe Manchin, defund the police to a blue dog Democrat and – um, they there's a lot of party infighting. I don't like that the Republican Party is uh, getting in the squabbling mode right now. I hope it passes. Anytime they talk about 2020 or January 6th, they're losing. Yeah. That's just, you know, you want to push back and you want to have a differing view. Yeah. Uh, but anytime you minimize it, it's, and what all Republicans, uh, Democrats want to talk about is Donald Trump. And January 6th. I know. It's an, That's, it, it's that an is unforced a error. I mean, listen, if if there are conservatives that don't like what Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney are doing, then it'll it'll be reflected um, in their elections, in their respective elections. Yeah. I think you should just leave it to that. Kinzinger, that's in light of thanks Democrats gave him, was gerrymandered right out of his district, so he's not running. Liz Cheney is uh, out-earned her opponent, but she's going to have a hard time in Wyoming. But my thing is Donald Trump has got to relax because— the, the, he's right now is incensed about the secretary of state in Georgia and incensed about the governor of Georgia. So he asked Purdue to go run against another Republican. Mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams is the one falling on her face, and Republicans are fighting with Republicans for this nomination. But you know what? I do have to say something about, and not to totally change the topic, but um, I was talking about this with Todd earlier today on First. And when you when you talk about um, President Trump versus President Biden. And, and I think this is one of the biggest differences between them. And there, there are many. Um, but it feels like the Biden administration is just completely behind the eight ball in terms of what Americans care about. Which is why they should press on that inflation. Yes, I know. Over foreign affairs. And say what you want about um, the former president's style. You may like it. You may not. Um, but he just absolutely was an expert at honing in on what Americans care True. about, what Republicans care about, and he fought for that. Uh, and you can't you can't take that away from him. No, I agree. No, no, no one's looking to the policy is great. When you talk about 2020 and the election, uh, if you want someone else to bring it up, you want to examine it and fix it for 2022, 2024. I think it's it. When you keep looking back, I think you're losing. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back. We open up the phones and maybe find out if Carly wants to know more. There's a chance she's full. There's a chance your <laughs> brain is just full. You know too much. We'll find out after the break. Back in a moment. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Hey, uh, we are back. one 866 Carly Shimkus is here. Uh, Carly, uh, you're going to be on Fox & Friends tomorrow. I am. Wow. Yes. Now you were, uh, you were on One Nation on Saturday. How has that affected your career? Um, only po- in a very positive way. In what well, way? You su- Can you, you put surpri- it into words? You surprised me. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been as surprised on TV as you what happened on Saturday. Well, oh, um, you played the clip um, that, you, that we also played on the radio together of my first time on TV when I was on I Miss in the Morning. You were his assistant. I was his assistant, uh, but he had me reading a viewer email, and I said a really bad word accidentally. Like the worst word in the world. Outside the outside the maybe the F word or maybe even including that one. Right. And I said it accidentally. So Brian plays the clip. You had never seen it. I can't believe how young I looked. Um, And I just was at such a loss for words. I didn't even explain what was going on. I just laughed. I should have helped you with that. No, it's okay. And then you played your first time on the air. Thickest Long Island accent. Worst. I mean, it was so funny. And you ha- you had a baby face, too. How old were you? I was 19. And you kind of had, like, the 80s hair going with, like, the long Well, it was back. the 80s. Was the 80s. <laughs> so how do you oh, know? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know with Carly Shimkus. Uh, there yes! you go. <laughs> oh, there we go, I like when it includes my uh, name. And Eric's ego is already out of control when you say he's best. You can go first. All right. Uh, Super Bowl 2022 survey. Half of Americans want the game moved to Saturday. The survey of over 2,000 NFL fans found uh, 48% would like to see the big game move to Saturday. Uh, that would l- likely help out the 14% of Americans who call out sick the next day. I agree with this. I think it would be much better if it was on a Saturday. Everybody could participate and have fun. I, this is not in the story, but you know where I think we're heading? I think we're heading to pushing it to President's Day. They're going to probably add another week somehow, push it to President's Day, have the natural Monday off yeah. after, and make it like a national holiday. Keep in mind, too, that if we're going to watch the game that you can do, I know you got to get up at midnight. In, in my apartment, on my couch. 62% of football fans will watch the game at home. That's Wait, a lot. How many? Sixty-two percent. Yeah, that's, that's a. Where, where else were they watching at church? Oh yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> you go to a sports bar. You oh, go to somebody yeah. else's home. Oh right, right, it's right. It's a time to get together <laughs> and party. I'm such an antisocial person. Yeah, yeah if, it, if it's Friends? not in my house, I'm at church. <laughs> Those two places, you can't find me any place else. Where else will they watch it? The yeah, grocery where's store? Brian? He's praying again. He's praying. <laughs> he gets out of church and comes home win? and watch who's football. Who's going to win? The Bengals. I believe the Rams, Rams? going to win. I'm hoping for the Bengals. Yeah. By the way, I can go now. It's my turn. You're reading oh. like you're about to go. Yeah, yes. you're going to go back and forth. Right, sorry. Bob Saget passed away from a brain bleed. This is so sad. I don't know if I'm buying it. He did not have a, a heart attack. He did not have a stroke. The cause of death was a blow to his head that he probably didn't know how serious it was, and he died in his sleep. After checking into the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Orlando, after going to Jacksonville, where I I was at the same place the week before, by wow. the way, at the same theater. He said authorities don't know what the object he hit was, oh. possibly the headboard, but there's an obvious bruise on the back of his head. Mm-hmm. They do not know if Bob did not know the severity of the injury, got into the coverage, went to sleep, and he never woke up. That's so sad. But isn't that a lot of... I mean, That's I've heard this happen of... to people before, where you where you have a, a brain bleed, you don't know about it, and you just never wake up. You have up. heard of that? 
Yeah, um, that's what happens. Um, who was that famous? Um, wasn't Liam Neeson's wife? Isn't that how she died? Skiing accident, hit her head. I, I don't think I'm getting this one wrong. No, that's what Eric just said. Yeah. You're and right. Eric is the best, so he would know. Okay. All right. Um, should I go? Yeah, okay. it's your turn. Seven health benefits for drinking coffee every day. Okay. I love this because I drink coffee every day. How much? One. Um, I drink maybe... One to three cups, depending on the day. Uh, dash three. And you buy many of those cups. Thank you. I owe Every you other a lot. Day. I owe I owe you a lot of money. Yeah. Um, one, it may add years to your life. Wow. Two, it in, um, improvement in test performance and alertness. Obviously. Oh, it burns fat. It burns something called brown fat. That's gross. Um, it can make your favorite dessert taste sweeter. Let me. Hey, can I just have some? Who made this, this study? <laughs> it's like I'm reading a book report. Yeah, it's like a, from the Folgers people. I mean, who came up with this? Maxwell House? Have you ever heard of brown fat? No. One cup of coffee can activate brown fat in our bodies. Research shows, unlike more traditional white fat, brown fat actually burns um, calories and promotes weight loss. It can also make your favorite dessert taste sweeter. It lowers prostate cancer risks, reduce Alzheimer's. Wait, but, but, you know, Carly, can improve... Who actually came up with this study? This has got to be the most pro-coffee study I've ever seen in my life. Number seven is it can it can improve aerobic exercise performance. I love this. Yeah, the they're just making is, it up. Hey, uh, Alice, would you look this up? It says according to scientists. <laughs> Come on, coffee scientists. According to barista, the scientist barista. According to Starbucks. Right, absolutely. <laughs> Cincinnati, Cincinnati schools, we can swish it. We'll celebrate Bengals' Super Bowl appearance by giving the students off on Monday. Love and it. You're against this. You like this? No, no, I think it's great. I think it's great. I like I like snow days. I thought it was so sad when New York City got rid of snow days. Remember when they did that? They said no more snow days because now we can zoom and do virtual learning. You gotta give kids joy, those like little moments to get excited about. Week- I think this is that, wonderful. That's called weekends. No, no, no. Break, yeah, but every break. now and then you you treat the kids to something to look forward See, to. See, what I always excited. look at is if you give you take away my snow day, I'm gonna lose spring break. No, yeah, no, but yeah, I would rather lose spring break and have a snow day. Wake up. You would. Snow angels, snowmen, we are, hot chocolate. We are so different. I, I do you just like feeling cozy, do- Brian? A little bit. <laughs> Good. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from crime-ravaged New York City. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Mark Thiessen standing by, Marshall Falk, one of the greatest running backs I've seen. I actually saw him in college. I was at XTRA at All Sports Radio. He was at San Diego State. And uh, and that's a conference. I'm not a huge college football guy, but it was a conference just known for its offense. And they just said this guy was so unbelievable to see. you got to look at this running back at San Diego State, Marshall Falk. And I was doing a show with Jim Brown at the time, and the Browns asked him to check him out. And he was just raving about Marshall Falk. And he went on to a Hall of Fame career with the Colts and won a Super Bowl with the Rams. He's going to be joining us, too. And then I'll do a simulcast on Stuart Varney's show. We share the FBN and us. We share audiences, and I hope you enjoy meeting their audience. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. 
Number three. 7.5% is where inflation came in year over year. That is the highest in 40 years. Food went up 7% year over year. We talk about year over year energy. Energy is up uh, year over year 27%. Uh, that is uh, some of the instant reaction to the inflation number. It is horrible. Just this morning, inflation rose 7.5% year over year. How, that's up 0.5% in just a month. How have rising prices affected you and your family? Weigh in. Number two. I definitely see a change, and I'm not the only one. You can look at the polls. There's been a 19-point drop in people who think he's cognitively fit to be our president now. Uh, over 50% of the population thinks that he's not. And, you know, this is a serious issue. That is Ronnie Jackson, former doctor to three presidents, uh, Republican and Democrat. He sees a big decrease in the cognitive ability of President Biden, as he's been saying for all uh, for all to see. I'm not a doctor, but I know this. Your uh, political scientists would tell you 39% approval rating at this point in your presidency, not good. I'll talk to Mark Thiessen about that. Number one. It was an emergency temporary measure put in place literally two months ago. And at this time, we say that is the right decision to lift this mandate for indoor businesses and let counties, cities, and businesses to make their own decisions on what they want to do. Thanks, but the kids stay in masks. A leader without followers. That's how I characterize President Biden as it relates to the COVID policies. As America tears away the restrictions and closes in on normalcy, what nine blue states should have shown this president at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, but doesn't seem to be getting the message. And talk about not getting the message, that Justin Trudeau. A Canadian convoy has shut down the Capitol and shut down the number one thoroughfare between U.S., U.S., I would say North America, between Canada and the rest of North and South America. Uh, that is what's going on, and it's really hurting the supply chain further. Mark Thiessen, Extraordinary Times. You know Mark. He's a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, Washington Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Uh, Mark, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. Mark, let's start on the convoy. Why should people care about a Canadian truck problem? So here's the thing that's interesting about Canada. Canada is a country that was founded by the loyalists who didn't join the Boston Tea Party, who didn't join the American Revolution, who decided to stay loyal to the crown. And now they're having a revolution in their country. When you've driven the loyalists to have the equivalent, their equivalent of the Boston Tea Party, you know their government has screwed up. And Canadians, you, are not, Canadians are not people who march and, and protest and do these kinds of things. You, you push them too far when you, when you provoke this kind of a reaction. I 100% agree. And Justin Trudeau's action, I characterize it as totally detached and arrogant. I mean, number one, he runs for the hills. He says he's been contact traced. Then he says he tested positive. And then he called these guys fringe and these women. And now, instead of just being the truck issue on vaccine mandates, this is a freedom issue for the whole country. And now they shut down a bridge leading into Michigan, which is affecting us. And I'm not for any more sacrifice, but the message has got to be heard. Three provinces have adjusted their mandates and restrictions. When is this president, prime minister, whatever he is, going to realize he is in the minority here, he's been way too oppressive, and things have to change? What, what people, I think, don't realize is that Canada 
has is one of the mo- has been one of the most locked down countries in the world. When Omicron came, you know, we we had like a few uh, a few thousand schools shut down for a week or so. They went into full shutdown in Canada in response to Omicron. They shut that they only for a period of time in January, they only allowed outdoor dining in restaurants. When it's minus 19 degrees, not a lot of restaurants are going to get outdoor diners in 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 Toronto and Ontario. So this, they literally went back to March 2020 in Canada when Omicron this is a country that is it's a socialist country it's a country where 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 they have contempt for for their citizens where the government tells you what to do and people in Canada have been used to listening to the government when it tells you what to do but now they are tired of it the the, uh, the, the covid has driven the 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 loyal, loyalist Canada to join the American revolution against the covid the covid dictators absolutely so let's talk about where we're at now nine democratic states have begun to release restrictions on their constituents. And it started with New Jersey. And you had Governor Murphy come out and say there is a learning, there's a yearning in this country. There's a loss in our kids, mental health and stress among kids and adults. Folks are yearning for our normalcy back. Uh, and that really stuck with Ned Lamont. He released restrictions. Residents now have tools to keep themselves safe and cautioned. We're never going to get an all clear sign. He's begun to release restrictions in California. They have decided on Monday, they'll decide on Monday to extend the school mask mandate or lift it. They have lifted indoor mask mandates. They're not waiting for the White House. What does that tell you? Well, you know, I think Dana Perino has been really uh, prescient on this. I think she thought that Biden was waiting to use his State of the Union address to announce, like, a, a pull, uh, call, make a call for pulling back on these and going back to normal. And the truth is, Americans aren't willing to wait another two or three weeks for Biden to give his State of the Union address, and Democratic politicians aren't, because the, the science hasn't changed. The political science has changed, right? The, the, the science has been very clear, especially when it comes to schools. There was never never any science to support either school closures or, or, or mask mandates for kids. At, at the start of the pandemic, Brian, when this happened, we shut down the schools for a reason because we didn't know who was going to be most affected. And most of the time when pandemics hit, kids are the most vulnerable. But then we found out very quickly kids were the least vulnerable. And we didn't open up the schools, and we forced these kids to wear masks, and we're still forcing these kids to wear masks. There is not the, – the, I'll, I'll give you a stat. UK, you, data from the U.K. that just came out a couple of weeks ago, COVID was never more dangerous for kids under 18 than the seasonal flu, not even in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. And today, it's not more dangerous for pe- anyone under, uh, under 50 years old than the, than the seasonal flu. Not Germany – data. Not a single healthy child in the entire country of Germany has died of COVID. Not one. You know how many in America? We don't have the answer because the CDC doesn't even track it. But we know that kids are not vulnerable to COVID any more than they are to the common flu. So we need to stop. There was never any science behind doing this to our kids and the damage we have done to our children from from the from the mandates and from the lockdowns is irreparable we are going to be uncovering the damage and the extent of the damage for years to come it is long time over and if democrats are finally sensing I, these governors are finally sensing hey i don't want to end up like like democrats did in virginia if that's what it takes to get them to give our li- our, our kids their lives back fine with me
couple of things, Mark. It's pretty clear they missed two variants, and Anthony Fauci missed three. He missed the first. He mischaracterized it, misdiagnosed it, misanalyzed, and then he missed the Delta, and then he missed Omicron. They all missed it. So we have no faith in them. No one's even looking for them anymore. And then I was struck by this, and I'm, I wrote this down verbatim. Scott Gottlieb two weeks ago. Cloth masks aren't going to provide a lot of protection. That's the bottom line. This is an airborne illness. We now understand that. And a cloth mask is not going to protect you from a virus that spreads through airborne transmission. It could protect you better through a droplet transmission, something like the flu. Excuse me? So we're debating on something that doesn't work to begin with. Are you kidding me? So to me, that Johns Hopkins saying natural immunity as effective, if not more effective, than the vaccine, and Hopkins saying all the mitigation experts only prevented 0.02% of deaths. So this yeah. thing is, should have been over and never started. You're, you're 100% right. I mean, Johns Hopkins study, which, by the way, like the mainstream media has completely ignored, uh, not reporting on it, shows that, the, uh, that, the, uh, that most, COVID, most of the restrictions we put in place, they call them lockdowns, but what they're talking about is, is any, anything that restricts your movement or your ability to, uh, to, to live your life normally. reduction in mortality. The only thing, the only thing that they found that had any significant change was was stay-at-home orders, and those reduced COVID mortality by 2.9%. I mean, I'm sorry, but we can't shut down the entire country for that kind of impact. We just can't. Never again. Never again, 100 percent. And the and the I will tell you, the public health establishment. You remember because we we after 9/11 how we had a 9-11 commission because the intelligence community failed to anticipate the attack, failed to see it coming, failed to connect the dots, right? And, and we've, since then, everybody always questions anything coming out of the intelligence community because, they don't, because, they, because of the lack of trust that, that, that they have is that, that. Our public health officials have done far worse than the intelligence community did. They were not prepared for the pandemic. They missed the early signs of the pandemic when it was first spreading and told us it wasn't spreading. And then they've gotten everything wrong at every step of the way, and they've completely discredited themselves, and no one's going to listen to them again. Listen, if you want to give— problem for our country. If you want to give President Biden credit for whatever you want to give him credit for, just make it accurate. If you want to say we had 400,000 jobs last month and he deserves credit, go ahead. But and please also understand— that he has nothing to do with us getting out of Omicron. He has nothing to do with the vaccine. He has everything to do that we don't have the therapeutic available because he wouldn't do the warp speed model of pre-ordering things before they were approved and paying for it ahead of time. That's why we got the we give the we give Merck and Pfizer a thumbs up and we say we're ready and they say we got nothing. Because we paid for ourselves and we couldn't, as a public traded company, rationalize making something we weren't sure was working, which is why warp speed was so effective. So I ask you, even if you're I know a lot of Democrats listen, I think that's great and I'm honored. But just don't give him credit for coming out of this, which he's going to claim credit for. And Hakeem Jeffries tried to take a bow for it the other day. We brought you through this responsibly. No, you didn't. 100%. 100%. Look, there, where was the warp? You hit the nail on the head. Where was the warp suit for therapeutics? He inherited the vaccines. 
Warp Speed had already done its job when it came to the vaccines. But what his job was, was to A, distribute the vaccines, and B, accelerate the treatments. And he failed to do to accelerate the treatments. The reason we should be able to lift all these restrictions now, because in March 2020, we, we, we had all these COVID restrictions because we had no defenses. We had no treatments. We had no vaccines. We had no, no therapeutics. We had nothing. Uh, to, to deal with this. So if you got COVID and, and, it, and it affected you the wrong way or you had comorbidities, whatever it is, you were dead and there was nothing we could do for you. Now we have multiple layers of defense. We have vaccines. If you don't like vaccines, we've got treatments. We've got so many options for, for, keep, for keeping people safe. It is time to give us our lives back. And the left doesn't want to give us our lives back because to the, because the left is always authoritarian. They like to tell us people what to do. And the, and the COVID pandemic brought out the inner Stalin in every Democrat in this country. <laughs> they like to tell people what to do, and they don't want to give it up. They, the, the pandemic was their excuse for, the, the, for being able to tell you, you have to wear a mask. You can go here. You can't go there. You can eat here. You can't go there. They got drunk on it. And, and, now, the, and now, the, now the hangover, they don't want the hangover, so, they're just, so they want more power. And they won't give up the power, and that's what this is all about. And the only thing that's going to stop them from from uh, from holding on to that power is fear of the voters, and that's why some of these states are lifting these restrictions. Lastly, crime uh, next to inflation, crime is one or two on everybody's list in terms of concern. Seventy-four percent of New York City voters say crime is a very serious problem in this city, which was once the safest big city they say in the world. The approval rating on the brand new mayor is forty-six percent, but sixty-one percent. Uh, 57 percent, I should say, approve of his police community relations, and they're confident that he'll be able to reduce gun violence at 58 percent. 69 percent want more cops on the streets. It is insane what is happening in normally very peaceful neighborhoods to the point where Al Sharpton said this because all the stop uh, uh, the uh, smashing grabs that are now taking place here, which started in San Francisco. Listen to Al Sharpton. You go to a local pharmacy, Dwayne Reed or, or Rite Aid, any of them, and you've got to get someone to help yeah. assist you. I mean, they, they have the little button there. Yep. You hit the buzzer, and the guy comes over and unlocks your toothpaste. Yes. I mean, we cannot have a culture where people are just at random, just robbing and stealing and is out of control. Al Sharpton sounding the alarm about crime. What, what has happened to this country? Well, I don't know what you and Al Sharpton are talking about. I don't know where you're getting your data, because it's very clear to me that the number one priority for the American people is a federal takeover of our elections. Exactly. This is what people are clamoring for. Uh, this is what they, they're, they're marching in the streets, demanding, uh, demanding their democracy back. They're demanding that Congress act. They're very angry with Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Uh, I, I don't know where you're getting your data that, that people are concerned about crime. That's very low on the totem pole. I mean, I, why else would the White House be focused on that instead of crime? Well, they, they are focused on the president taking his <laughs> national archives to Mar-a-Lago. He wanted to look back and remember his four years in office. What's wrong with that? I, I'm, not, I'm, not going, I'm not touching that. I know I, I, follow, I had to follow the Presidential Records Act and there my five years at the White House and Donald Trump should have too. But again, that's not what people are focused on. Exactly. Here's the reality. I will, I will tell you something. Honestly, I, in my, I live in Old Town Alexandria right outside D.C. In a, in a nice neighborhood. I go to my gas station to fill up, and there is a handwritten sign it's taped to the gas tank saying, please take your keys and lock your car because of safety concerns in our neighborhood. Wow. That That's, is – I mean, literally on my they, – they, 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 there have been so many carjackings that, that it, in gas stations that the gas station owner has taped a handwritten sign 
onto my gas onto the onto the pump. I mean, it's amazing. This is it's it's just insane what's happening to this country. And you know why? Joe Biden. One of the first things he did with Donald Trump when the crime wave started, he launched Operation Legend, which was named for that for that four year old kid who was shot yep. by a stray bullet in his house in Kansas City. That thing they listed six thousand arrests, gotcha. including five hundred for murder. Joe Biden canceled it. Mark, uh, you know everything, and never forget a thing either. Mark Thiessen, thank you. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hi, I'm Big Spell. I just want to say, and Marianne, I could talk to you about this privately. Um, I don't know why the Village Council would be afraid of litigation from a $24 million a year company while they ex out a $65 million a year company. I cannot believe you would make me audition for you. You look like clowns. I am not bluffing. I will take it all off the table. That's all. Thank you. Dave Chappelle called, talking about his hometown where he wants to build a restaurant. And he's in the process of building a comedy club in a small town of 4,000. But then a bunch of single fa- this developer wants to put a bunch of single family and duplex homes in the area. Uh, and I guess it's going to be a $25 million investment. He says his is $65 million. It's a heck of a restaurant. And he says, no, I don't want affordable housing in my town. I like this small town right in Dayton, Ohio. WHIO listeners probably know it well. I think it's Spring Valley. And he said, if you do that, I pull all my money out. So the city council voted 2-2, which means not unanimous, which means Dave Chappelle wins. But can you imagine flipping around seeing Dave Chappelle on public access TV at a city council hearing? The best comedian, the most famed in the country? Willing to take on everyone, including people who say you should allow affordable housing everywhere. An investment's an investment. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What we're going to do is step back and look at everything we're doing today, reevaluate that, everything from looking at the Rooney Rule and seeing what changes should be made to that, if any changes, or should it be removed, which some people have suggested. All of those things are part of that. We're going to talk to other people, have independent people come in and look and help us evaluate it, because it's sometimes hard to evaluate your own policies and procedures, and make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to create that opportunity for everybody to make sure that we are an inclusive league and make sure we get the outcomes we want. And our policies really truly are effective with outcomes. You know, that is uh, the commissioner of football and the commissioner of football had to take some tough questions. And one of which was tanking where these teams that know they're not going to make the playoffs and want to get the first pick in the draft. So the worst team gets the first pick. So they've been tanking games. That's the accusation from Brian Flores, former coach of the Dolphins said he was paid. He would have been paid a hundred thousand dollars to lose games. He says he wouldn't do it. So he reports it. When he got fired from Miami and didn't get hired by anybody else, black coach, who then filed lawsuits saying the whole Rooney rule in the league is is bias against uh, minority coaches, against black coaches. And that ended up being a major story uh, with the commissioner's address, which he does once a year where he takes questions randomly from anybody. But we're talking about the Rams. We're talking about the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. In a matter of minutes, Marshall Fox should be joining us. If not, I just do want to cover this anyway. So Matthew Stafford's a great story. Matthew Stafford spent years number one pick overall by the Detroit Lions, and as good as he played, he never won a playoff game. The team was just perennial, perennially bad. 
So Los Angeles said, we can only win a few more years. My players are getting older. I'm going to go for it this year. I got to get an established quarterback. And they trade for Matthew Stafford. And he has won three games uh, in the postseason. He a uh, big win against the Bucks, And then uh, last week uh, holds off and comes back against San Francisco 49ers. Here's what he said as he gets ready for his first Super Bowl, cut 34. As far as uh, getting ready for this week, I'm just trusting my preparation. You know, last week's a little bit different, obviously with no game, um, but only one opponent to play rest of the year. So um, a little bit of a jump uh, jump start on that. But um, this week we just kind of take it like a normal week, go out there and, and prepare like we normally do, trusting that process is enough to go out there and win the game and, and play well on Sunday. And look, he could sit around and go, I live here. Because if for the first time, second time in the history, for the first time without a pandemic, you have a team because they pick these sites years ahead of time. You have a team playing at home in the Super Bowl. So literally, they're staying in their own beds. Coach Sean McVay says, this is business as usual. Cut 36. Cut 35. I think you try to have a normal weekly rhythm and routine. You don't minimize what a great opportunity has been earned by both teams. And so, you know, I think you want to take in the magnitude of the opportunity, but not make it, you know, too big to where, you know, I don't think any of our guys are overwhelmed. You know, trust your preparation. Trust your process. Um, the nerves are good. This is a, you know, this pressure is a privilege, um, but you do acknowledge what a great opportunity it is to try to finish this thing the right way, but you want to be able to keep a normal rhythm and routine as far as our preparation goes. So, I mean, that's what he's doing. It's not hard. I mean, he knows everything. They might put you in a different spot. They might bring you to a hotel room to stay together the night before the game, uh, but you are getting used to the press, which they're used to because two years ago when they were in this game and they lost it, to, you guessed it, the New England Patriots at the time, and that was the last Super Bowl, I believe, that Tom Brady won in a Patriot uniform. But about Cincinnati, they've obviously been fearless. They won three straight road games. Uh, Their first game against the Titans, their quarterback was sacked nine times. You usually lose by 21 points when that happens. Instead, you win. Kurt Warner, who took the greatest show on turf, the Los Angeles, excuse me, the St. Louis Rams at the time, and talked about the fact that you cannot count out Cincinnati. Cut 36. When you get to this point, there is no house money. It's not like, oh, we can lose this one because we're the underdog and we'll be back because we're young. There's none of that going on. This is a Super Bowl. This is your moment. There are no no guarantees that you will ever be here again. So to think that the, the Bengals and Joe Burrow have no pressure on them just because they're the underdog, I fully disagree with that. They're going to feel the pressure just like Matthew Stafford and company because this is the last game you're going to play and nobody wants to go home not winning this game. You get to this point, there is pressure on everybody. Everybody wants to play their best game and nobody wants to watch the other team with that confetti coming down. It is uh, hard. Kurt Warner lost to New England uh, when that was Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, but he had won the year before. And he got that high-powered offense. They did a movie on Kurt Warner's life. Talked about the underdog. The guy was in a supermarket. He ended up playing arena football. Gets a tryout for the Rams. Uh, Trent Green gets hurt. He gets the nod. And he brings his team to the Super Bowl. That was enough for movies. And that's what Kurt Warner's done. He's a really good broadcaster, too. And lastly, he was asked to uh, to contrast the 99 Rams to the 2021 Rams. Here's what he said. Cut 37. Our offense, I think, was a little bit different because we had so many weapons and we played spread out all the time and we were going to force you to cover every blade of grass. I don't necessarily think this Rams team is like that. They're a little more methodical in what they do offensively, a little more conventional, but 
obviously can be explosive at any moment, starting with their quarterback and the big arm and the big plays. Coach McVay does a great job of dialing up or scheming up huge plays for them. But their guys on the outside are just built a little bit differently than the greatest show on turf and the way that we attacked down the field on every play. So Kurt Warner contrasting what it was like having Marshall Falk in the back uh, in the backfield, uh, some great receivers, including Isaac Bruce, who wide. And when they went to play, it was extremely exciting. And there was a fearlessness that comes when you were at a football, when we were at, I believe, Ida, Iowa State in college. You're playing with house money, even getting a NFL uniform, let alone being a Super Bowl champion, end up in the Hall of Fame. Somebody who knows about being in the Hall of Fame, Marshall Falk, uh, joins us now. Not only is he talking football, he's here again for the Foundation for a Drug-Free World. Uh, drugfreeworld.org is where we go. Marshall, welcome back. What's going on? How are we doing? I'm doing good, Marshall. It's familiar uniforms in the Super Bowl right now, uh, for you anyway, yeah. right? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, familiar, very familiar, and uh, happy to see him there. Uh, looking forward to see how they uh, how they handle the big game, and um, and I hope that they have fun while playing in the game because that's what it's all about. Did you? Yes, yes. I, I, I would not. I would not. Um, I could not imagine going into the game uh, with the, with the wrong mindset and not having fun, putting too much pressure on myself. And um, and I think that uh, they're fortunate having having the two weeks of preparation to like deal with a lot of the things that you have to deal with. Um, it's uh, I think it, it it I think it helps. And uh, just hoping and I and I keep saying it. I hope that they can have fun with these moments because they're precious. And you don't know when you're getting back there, especially this year, uh, Marshall. You guys were in St. Louis when you were on the Rams. Then you played in Indianapolis. Um, so you play for both squads, Midwest. So what do you what do you think it would have been like playing at home in the Super Bowl? At home, I mean, you literally have. To, I mean, between the experience that the Rams have and actually being at home in their relatively new stadium, two years old, that is a huge advantage. Is that part of the reason they're four point favorites in your mind? Um, I, I, I gotta say uh, yes, and uh, we have to contribute some of that to watching Tampa last year. And, and just their comfort at home and, and, and how um, how that game went. But, um, uh, man, that, would, that, that has to be just an awesome feeling, being at home. They, they really get to be in the confines because there's so much that's just different when you, when, you, when you go to a Super Bowl. There's just so much stuff that's different that you deal with and, you, and, you, uh, and you're going through. And, and you try to normalize it. You want it to be, oh, do we treat it like an away game, a home game? What, what do we do here? But in reality, um, both teams normally have to deal with it, and I believe that there is a huge advantage. That's why, you know, you get X amount of home games and X amount of away games, and usually the home team is favored. Uh, this, there, there's something there. And, um, you know, I, I, looking at the Rams, Glad that it's on their side, whatever the advantage is. Let me ask you, you stay in a hotel. The team stays in a hotel the night before the game in a, night, a game like this, right? Even though it's home? Yes. Yes. Although it's home, yes. Um, I th- and I think the Rams, I think they're moving Friday. I think it's Friday that they'll move to, to, the, to the hotel. So it's pretty amazing uh, where it goes. Uh, I want to get you always uh, every year you come on, you're kind enough to give you your analysis. So, by the way, are you predicting the Rams? Or are you rooting for the Rams? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I am predicting the Rams. Um, I'm rooting for the Rams. And however you look at it, yes, I, I think that uh, 
look, looking at the game, evaluating it, um, giving the expert analysis. And, and, and let me say this. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not just homering this up thinking, oh, no, the Bengals. I respect what the Bengals have done. I, I think that uh, the turnaround, um, and we know something about a turnaround, you know, with the Rams and how we burst it onto the scene. It's real. And and I think some teams may have taken them lightly, and that's why they're not they're not in the positions that they thought they were going to be in. But um, but I just think that looking at the Rams and and, and how they've been constructed, you know, there's there's just some moments in times of players whom yeah. have been the Super Bowls. Um, and Mark, yeah, I know. And it's going to rise to it. Hey, Marshall, I just want to get foundation for a drug free world. What should we know about that? Should somebody in our life be struggling? Oh, yeah, man. If anybody in their lives be struggling, they go to drugfreeworld.org. Um, we have free information, free curriculum, free courses, things to help you help the people in your life. And if it's for you, get help for you in your life. Marshall Falk, uh, always great to talk to you. Good luck. Enjoy the game. And hopefully they will, too. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. You know, we're going to be sharing audiences in a matter of moments on FBN, but don't worry, I'll be here for you. Um, we're going to be taking your calls, 1-866-408-7669. I'll be getting to them in just a moment, but right now we're going to be talking uh, about what's going on in New York City uh, at this moment, and that is some pretty stunning numbers in asked. And I bring up New York knowing that we're a national show, but this was is the biggest city, and it was known as the safest city, and it's just the opposite. In fact, let's listen in. And it's now 10.51, so let's see the man himself. There he is, Brian. Look, I don't know if you can see these pictures, but they were taken by one of our producers who lives in New York City. Every product in this Dwayne Reed Absolutely locked up. Everything locked up. I'm going to just play uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton again, talking about this. Roll it. You go to a local pharmacy, Dwayne Reed or, or Rite Aid, any of them, and you've got to get someone to help yeah. assist you. I mean, we're talking about basic <laughs> stuff. What did I miss that we now have to lock up toothpaste? You cannot have a culture where people are just at random just robbing and stealing and is out of control. Brian, this is the man who helped push these soft-on-crime policies, and now they sit around laughing at the results. I think it's ridiculous. And, by the way, some stunning news. Not only do you think it's ridiculous, 74% of New York City voters say crime is a very serious problem. Only 46% uh, approve of this brand-new mayor that was supposed to crack down on the crime. And I do see the mayor yesterday actually going to bat against his own city council, same party, saying you got to get rid of no cash bail. It's a revolving door. I can't get cops to make an arrest if they're not going to be detained, if they're going to get a court, a desk appearance ticket. I mean, there was one person that was arrested the other day for robbery 39 times and let out again. So it's a joke. What I think is unbelievable, too, is that the author of 1619 Project came out and tweeted at Al Sharpton saying this drumbeat for continued mass incarceration is really horrific. A person stealing steak is not national news, and there's always been thefts from stores. And, of course, what? she's referring to the steaks that were stolen right from a, uh, 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 from a, a store, about 10 of them, and no one could stop them. How Trader is this Joe's. city? Yeah, I saw it. How is this great city going to come back? I mean, 
we've got, we've got crime in the streets. If you go to Penn Station or if you go on the, on the subway, it's a nightmare from beginning to end. You've got shoplifting left, right and center. I don't see how this city comes back. Well, we know how. We just have to de be determined to put people in office that understand that quality of life is at stake. It's not, wouldn't it be nice if my team won this election or instead of your team? It's like, can I have one person who's strong against crime and is strong for the citizens as opposed to somebody who has a, a big heart for someone stealing your car, carjacking you, throwing you in front of the tracks on the subway, taking your things in a retail store? destroying your restaurant by harassment. So to me, it's the, the criminal element is actually taunting us at this point. And they're under the skin of this mayor already because he's paying the price. Even though he replaced the most inept mayor ever, he's seeing his approval numbers drop. Hmm. I can go outside of this studio without a mask, and I can go to a restaurant and eat without a mask. But the kids still have to wear a mask in New York State until next month when the governor will reconsider. That's just not right, Brian. Not right. It's ridiculous. And this is what the governor said. By the way, the city is not on board with this. Uh, the city's not going to take your mask off anyway. But the governor came out and said, let me see what happens after spring recess or winter yeah. break. Are you kidding me? Oh, let's Please. just wait another 10 days. And All I right. just go back to what Scott Gottlieb said. And he says cloth masks are not going, he's a former FDA director, uh, cloth masks are not going to provide a lot of protection. This is an airborne illness. We now understand that a cloth mask is not going to protect you from a virus that spreads through the air. So Brian, you're making us wear something that doesn't work in torturing kids every day in well school. Yeah, Brian, I've got to leave you for a second. Um, thanks very much for being here, Brian. Always, always. Right. Brian Bremberg. Uh, Hank, you're listening in Virginia. Thanks for your patience, Hank. Hey, how you doing there, Brian? Good. What's on your mind? We love your show. I think the Ukrainian situation, there's so many topics. Um, if you're familiar with the situation in 1994 when Bill Clinton was president, uh, this is when Ukraine had the third largest pile of ICBMs, and they wanted them, you know, they, they weren't, they were, they used to be part of the Soviet Union, but Ukraine became its own uh, country. So they made a deal. Actually, the article is on Brookings that they were going to pay for them to dismantle the the, uh, the 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 weapons, bring them to Russia, and that we're going to protect them and stop uh, Russia from invading their country. And the article is honoring neither le the letter nor the law. So that was back in the day with Bill Clinton. And then when Barack Obama was president, remember that when the hot mic was on and he leaned over the Medvedev. And he said, I'll have greater flexibility after the election, which was really, what did he mean by that? Well, if you can read through the tea leaves, what happened was they invaded and they took uh, Crimea, which is like our Miami. And then you get Joe Biden president. And what's the common thread here? They're all Democratic presidents. And now you got Joe Biden in there. And now look what Ukraine's ready to be invaded. But the worst part of the whole thing was three years of Russia, Russia, Russia with Donald Trump. And it turned out to be nothing. So they're the party of projection. Whenever they're claiming something, they can just point in the mirror. A couple of things: the Budapest Agreement, and they but we had we we and Russia promised to uh, look out for their welfare uh, and their security. And how did that work out? They took Crimea and occupied the Donbas region. And now, in and I, I like your analogy that you brought up because no one ever brings that up. They talk about Donald Trump being soft on Russia, but it was it was Barack Obama who never understood a hot mic.
who actually was caught doing that with the temporary president at the time of Russia, Medvedev, who was his handpicked successor. And then Putin went briefly up the ladder for a few years and then came back and now made himself a permanent leader. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, a lot has to do with the fact that Russia can never be trusted, and we don't ever seem to learn that. It was a lot easier dealing with Yeltsin. We were trying to help him at that point become a market economy. That all changed with this guy. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't forget, got the big show at 8 o'clock on Saturday, One Nation, and BrianKilmeade.com to order any of my books, including The President and Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Bottom of the hour, one of the most inspirational uh, people you'll ever hear from, Tony Robbins, life and business strategist. He's a best-selling author. His new book, Life Force, How New Breakthroughs in Precision Medicine Can Transform the Quality of Your Life and Those You Love. Uh, it's a really good book. It's really fascinating. It'll probably improve. Um, I, I, there's no way you're not going to benefit from reading it and, of course, from being around him. Senator Steve Daines is standing by. Before we get to the center from Montana, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 7.5% is where inflation came in year over year. That is the highest in 40 years. Food went up 7% year over year. We're talking about year over year energy. Energy is up uh, year over year 27%. Oh, that is pretty bad. Inflation nation, just in just this morning, inflation has risen 7.5%. How have rising prices impacted you and your family? I want to hear from you. Number two. I definitely see a change, and I'm not the only one. You can look at the polls. There's been a 19-point drop in people who think he's cognitively fit to be our president now. Uh, over 50% of the population thinks that he's not. And, you know, this is a serious issue. Doctor and Congressman Ronnie Jackson. President Biden's approval plummets. And both parties are experiencing internal feuds, which potentially could derail them in the midterms. Will the first one to settle take the midterms? I say yes. Number one. It was an emergency temporary measure put in place literally two months ago. And at this time, we say that it is the right decision to lift this mandate for indoor businesses and let counties, cities, and businesses to make their own decisions on what they want to do. Can you imagine that? A governor of New York saying we're going to lift the mask mandate for everybody except for those horrible children. A leader without followers. That's how I characterize President Biden as it relates to COVID-19. Also, with nine blue states lifting some type of restrictions in masks, where is the leadership at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? And now a Canadian convoy is waking up the world to the ugliness of these lockdowns and shutdowns. With me right now is Senator Steve Daines. Senator, are you keeping your eye on what's happening in Canada? Why do you think it, I think it could directly affect here? Do you? 
Oh, absolutely. Brian, remember, I, I have the privilege of being uh, the center from the great state of Montana. Canada's our northern neighbor. In fact, we've got a lot of Montana truckers now as well who are, are looking to join what's going on up in, uh, in Canada. But what's going on in Canada, uh, mass is just a symptom. The, the root problem here is the battle of freedom versus socialism. They are yearning for freedom. They are rebelling against heavy-handed government. And in Canada, it's Trudeau. In the United States, it's Biden. And a lot of these blue state governors, blue state and blue community mayors and, and chiefs and so forth, this is a rebellion against Tyranny is what it is. I don't think there's any question about it. So if you have cases down 47 percent, 30 percent of states are down by over a half, hospitalizations down 20 percent in the last seven days. Now you got about 64 percent of the entire population, over 70 of those eligible for 12 and up. So, I mean, and then when you think about all the people that got Omicron, we should be done with this. What's the rationalization for not letting people live their lives again? There's not. And listen, what's going on right now is people are asking, why are suddenly these blue state governors seeing the light and, and reversing their position? I'll tell you why. Because politically, their numbers are plunging. They are in trouble. There is a red tsunami building here that we have not seen perhaps in my lifetime. You go back to 1994, it was a huge wave election. 2010 was a huge wave election. What's building up right now, Brian, are numbers we have never seen before. So who knows what happens? All I know is that people are really upset. And finally, a few of these blue state governors are, are try, they're going to try to survive politically because because there is a wave coming. That's Especially, why they're changing their minds. Where are you at with Montana now? Where do you stand? Well, thank God we have a Republican governor. Uh, so we elected the first Republican governor in 16 years. It's Greg Gianforte. In fact, Governor Gianforte and I were business partners. We were in the software business. He was the CEO of our company. I was on his executive team. So we were business guys. And I was so glad to see when Greg decided to run for governor. So we got a, a conservative businessman, kind of like what happened with Glenn Youngkin's victory in Virginia. We've got that in Montana. Greg got rid of the mandates and so forth. So we are a pocket of freedom out west in the state of Montana. I'm so thankful for that. Well, absolutely. But he listened to the CDC director, which he still thinking, I don't know, cut six. We've always said that these decisions are going to have to be made at the local level um, and that policies at the local level will look at local cases. At this time, we continue to recommend masking in areas of high and substantial transmission. Um, that's m much of the country right now in public indoor settings. So she wants us wearing masks indoors. I, I don't know what she's looking at. I don't know either. The masks aren't working. And, you know, we saw that, that outrageous picture of Stacey Abrams with uh, with all those little kids in the classroom. It's just the hypocrisy. I mean, I, I, I will not bust one of my Democrat Senate colleagues here, but I'll just tell you something, Brian. I was on the train yesterday between the, the office buildings and going over to the Capitol. I had one of my Democrat senators who, the mask is off when we're in the train. As soon as he got to where the doors opened up and the reporters there, the mask goes on. I didn't say anything to him. I just observed it. And I'd say that's the hypocrisy going on. This virtue signaling of wearing a mask is somehow I'm helping stop the pandemic. As we've seen from the data, it's not working. And Brian, when we look back on what happened on COVID, and we're, we're going to debrief and do an autopsy on what happened. The reality is it was the response of government and the mandates and the shutdown did far greater long-term harm than the pandemic itself. Absolutely. Senator Danes is with us now. Uh, and, of course, you don't just have that. The mayor of Los Angeles, the mayor of San Francisco, the governor of uh, California, the governor of New York, all caught with kids with masks while wearing 
uh, nothing at all. So, and I'm sure my hope is that all 80,000 people go to the Super Bowl will not wear the N95 masks. They'll take them off. Good luck throwing 85,000 people out. So, I got to ask you about the other big story 7.5%. That's what inflation's at. Joe Manchin just commented on it. As you know, he stopped the passing of something that would have made it worse, Build Back Better, and another $2 trillion bill. Listen. It's time for, the, it's time for this uh, government and all of us to be serious about the economic uh, situation that we're facing, the financial conditions that we have in our country, and the responsibility that we have as, as uh, lawmakers. This inflation is real. It's harming people. It's 7.5%. That's a tax. And it continues to increase. It's not decreasing. So the feds have to step up to the plate and do something. Administration has to do. We all have to work together right now to get our financial house in order. If not, it's going to be absolutely horrible what it's going to do to the American economy. Like what? Yeah. Well, Joe, uh, Joe was before the West Virginia legislature last week, which is, by the way, all Republicans. You realize the state of West Virginia has not voted for a Democrat president in any county since 2008. Oh, by the way, Trump won West Virginia by 38 points. So Joe's on solid ground here to be putting the brakes on what Chuck Schumer and Pelosi are trying to do because the people of West Virginia see right through the, the craziness of D.C. But, we, uh, Brian, we were warning – we warned Biden and the Democrats back earlier this year. We said you can't pass these multi-trillion dollar spending bills without throwing fuel on the inflation fire, and that's exactly what happened. You can't keep shutting down made in America energy without starting to raise prices at the pump. That's exactly what's happening. He shuts down the Keystone XL pipeline. He shuts down leases on oil and gas on public lands across the United States, which, by the way, a judge has ruled now is illegal. But you know what? It's supply and demand. We've doubled our imports of oil from Russia since the first of the year, Brian. And this is – these policies coming from this administration not only are harming the American people, they're dangerous from a geopolitical perspective as we stare at the moment here that Putin is probably going into Ukraine. I can't believe you have to work on this, but you and Elizabeth Warren are on the same page about private investment when it comes to lawmakers and their spouses. Tell me about this bill and tell me how, the, uh, how Democrats are handling the fact that Nancy Pelosi's the biggest uh, roadblock and she has profited the greatest since her time, you can argue, in office. Well, I think we just rolled her, Brian, because she was she was completely against any of these uh, provisions that I've been working on right now, a bill that would prohibit members of Congress from trading in individual stocks. And uh, lo and behold, in the last couple of days, she now has flipped her position. Uh, listen, the American voters across party lines, Democrats and Republicans, overwhelmingly support a ban on members of Congress and their spouses trading stocks. I, I was successful in the private sector before coming to Congress. I, I want to see successful people come to Washington and have business backers. We need more men and women like that. But when you're here, you have to remember you're not here to be served. You are here to serve. You're not here to make a bunch of money. Uh, you're here to serve the people. So I think banning the practice of trading or owning individual stocks is a way to help restore faith in government. Uh, you know, the the, the uh, approval rating of Congress is lower than a root canal right now, and so many Americans have lost faith in Congress, rightfully so. I think this is a step in the right direction, and it's a bill that I'm actually working with Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Massachusetts, Brian, working with a Republican from Montana. Go figure. Well, let me ask you, what's going to happen? For example, you win. Does that mean your stuff like a president of the United States goes into a blind trust? And if a spouse uh, had her own investments uh, coming in or his own investments coming in, maybe they're in the financial sector. 
What happens to their career? What happens to their investment? Yeah, well, we, we want to because we want to strike the right balance here. And, and we want to make sure you don't disincentivize good people to run for public office. We need more good people who have been successful. So what do you do? To, to come to. So what you do there is you, you allow them to continue to invest the stock market in diversified mutual funds. But you cannot have concentrations in individual stocks. That's the Who's going to police that? That'll be the Department of Justice and the Ethics Committee. We've got uh, teeth with DOJ as well as the uh, ethics committees within both chambers. It makes sense. If there's a buzz about breaking up big tech, if there's a buzz about a war, uh, the war drums are going, or you hear about a big Saudi Arabian sale, then you start investing, you start investing in defense stocks. You stop divesting from Facebook because you know what's happening before we do. So to yeah. me, this should have been done a long time ago. Yeah, that that you know, I I I was part of a of a pre-IPO company. Then we took the company public, and then we were acquired by Oracle. In fact, but I I've, I've been under the restrictions is it because you were an insider when you were an executive in a publicly traded company. They're highly regulated and restricted. Similarly, I think we need to put some uh, some tougher restrictions and regulations on members here on Capitol Hill. Absolutely, I want you to hear what Nancy Pelosi wants to do in order to ease inflation. It really makes a, a long makes a lot of sense. Cut twenty nine. Fighting inflation uh, is an important part of our democratic agenda, economic agenda. Seventeen Nobel Prize winning economists have explained, quote, because this agenda invests in long term economic capacity, and will embrace the ability of more, enhance the ability of more Americans to participate product productively in our economy, it will ease longer-term inflationary pressures. Build back better. So she thinks by spending the 17 Nobel Prize winners, I can't wait to meet them, thinks that that'll be the best thing that we could do. Uh, Brian, the price tag, when we really unpacked what Pelosi and Schumer and Biden are pushing, is $5 trillion. And in fact, it's not paid for. Uh, the estimate is it would add $3 trillion to our national debt. Now, how in the world? I don't know who's giving out the Nobel Peace Prizes right now, but these, these cannot be they, – they, maybe they're geniuses on the Nobel test, but they aren't passing the common sense test that I would uh, suggest. This will add more fuel inflation fire. Manchin's got that figured out. Right. Real quick, uh, what do you say to Mitch McConnell, the president of the United States, uh, Governor Kemp, Governor, uh, Senator Perdue battling it out in Georgia? Uh, what do you say to uh, Ronna McDaniel, who's censoring uh, Kinzinger as well as Cheney? Um, what, what's going on with your party? Listen, Brian, um, the most important thing that we can do to save this country is ensure that we defeat Joe Biden or whoever runs the Democrats in 24, that we take back the United States Senate, that we take back the United States House. Because if we don't, Brian, we were on the cusp here in the last couple of weeks when they tried to blow up the filibuster. They would have moved forward D.C. statehood, changed the election laws, Puerto Rican statehood, packed the Supreme Court. The republic is at risk. And the fighting back and forth within the party here, in my opinion, is not productive or constructive. It helps the Democrats. It takes the story away from the, 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 the fires that are burning right now for the Democrats, inflation, the southern border, the failures in foreign policy, the weakening of America. We've got to keep the American people focused on that because if we do that, they're going to throw these guys out of office. If the focus becomes on us and our infighting, we put at risk the republic. Listen, yeah, it's up to you guys to get it together. 
So, um, yeah, to somebody's got to show some leadership. To yep. Senator Dea, Steve Daines, thanks so much. Good luck with you and Elizabeth Warren. I wouldn't be surprised you'd be best friends hanging out together, maybe vacationing <laughs> with your families. You have so much in common. Well, hey, easy, easy, Brian. Okay, sorry. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right, uh, Tony Robbins, Bob of the Hour, you're next. Your calls. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Cloth masks aren't going to provide a lot of protection. That's the bottom line. This is an airborne illness. We now understand that. And a cloth mask is not going to protect you from a virus that spreads through airborne uh, transmission. It could protect better through droplet transmission, something like the flu, but not something like this coronavirus. Uh, that is uh, Scott Gottlieb last week. So when we debate masks and should we take the risk, just know it's, we're not really protected. Joe is on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Listen, the GOP has to stay away from all, from all this January 6th nonsense. Absolutely. Censoring and all that. They got to get back to reality. Go after Judge Biden and his administration. I'll give you an example. Joe, are you a sports fan? Uh, so I listen, I grew up across the street from Yankee Stadium. What okay, so sometimes the umpires blow the game. Sometimes managers blow the game. Sometimes uh, the weather is unfair. Sometimes the field is wrong. And, it, and it, sometimes uh, the guy misses the call. And then you're right. And you look at the video, you're right. But the game's over and you lost. Well, technically, you're right. No, no, the answer is the game's over and you lost. And the thing exactly. is, it might not be fair. But when is life fair? I mean, we have to deal with these bumps in the roads, fair or not. And if 2020 was not fair, you go in there, you level the playing field with legitimate voting reform in these different states. Don't jam it down people's throats. Understand it. And then you go back and you figure out what went wrong. Andrew Jackson did it in the past. You know, we see this over and over again in, in politics. Um, you know, you don't win every time in life. So forget it. Every time you talk about 2020, you're losing, unless you're a Democrat. Uh, let's go out to Eric. Listen on KFTK on 97.1. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian. I appreciate you taking my call. No problem. And uh, many kids, Joe, from the East Coast called in, and he neglected, and everybody neglects the juggernaut in the conversation psychiatrically. And I said that word on purpose. We have been telling our feeble minds, undeveloped minds in this country that they will kill their grandmother or yep. their best friend. Forget the cesspool in front of your face with, face with the mask. What are we doing to our children? Scared the hell out of them. Scared the hell out of them. And they're freaked out. And they can get over it. Uh, and I'm not going to say they have to take it. If some might not be happy taking the mask off, take your time. Don't mock them. But sooner or later, they're going to understand adults have let them down. Politicians have let them down. I have to say, we have not. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Tony Robbins got a book out, came out on Tuesday, selling great. He's already a best-selling author multiple times. His new book is Life Force, How New Breakthroughs in Precision Medicine Can Transform the Quality of Your Life and Those You Love. It's hard to believe that anyone listening right now will not benefit from this book and the knowledge that Tony's acquired and put in black and white. Tony, welcome back. 
Hey, Brian, good to hear your voice. Hey, by the way, we are set up to do something over the weekend. We won't tell exactly where. Uh, but uh, to do a great feature for One Nation on Fox News. So I'll get a chance to see you in person, in action, uh, and see what motivates you in the morning and also get the inside story on this book, unless you're going to back out at the last minute. (laughs) I never back out, Brian. You know me. (laughs) All right. So good. So, Tony, first off, how are you feeling? It was injuries to your body, worries that you had about your health that spurred this book. Tell everybody where you got the idea. Well, you know, I've been obsessed, you know, Brian, my whole life. I'm looking for tools to help people create a greater quality of life. And there's only a few areas that matter. It's your body, obviously, your emotions, your relationships, your finances, your work, and the spiritual side of life. And so I've always been focused in this area. But what pushed me over the edge was I had a, an injury, and the docs basically told me my career was over, and I wasn't able to accept that. I was being an idiot. I was chasing a 22-year-old person who's a professional snowboarder on my snowboard, and they could do things, Brian, I could never do, I discovered. And I thought I broke my neck. The, the wreck was so bad. But, but what I did do is rip open all of my rotator cups. And so on a 0 to 10 scale, I was in 9-9 pain. So, you know, what do you do? You go to doctors. And so each one said, surgery, surgery, surgery. And I asked the prognosis. They said, well, I have to be honest. You know, it can tear again. You're, you may never be able to risk, lift your arm above your shoulder length. And, oh, it's four to six months to rehab. And, you know, I've, I've talked to 15, 20,000 people for 12 hours a day for four days a night in the stadium. I sure as hell couldn't, you know, have that kind of time with one arm tied behind my back. And then the last doc looked me in the eye, and he was a fan, it turned out. I, you know, I'd never met him before. I said, oh, you changed my life. Now i got to be your doctor. And he literally, Brian, looked at me and said, life as you know it is over. Let me show you your spine. And I've had extreme pain in my spine for 14 years. And he said, you have extreme spinal stenosis. You cannot jump anymore. You cannot run. You sure as heck can't snowboard. And, you know, if somebody punches you in the gut, you're ready for it. I was not ready for it. So i got to be honest. It took me a couple hours to get my head together. And then, you know, my nervous system kicked in. It's like, okay, there's a better solution. So when I went to all the docs, I'd say, you know, I'd ask about stem cells. Because, you know, I work with some of the greatest athletes of all time. And I've had several of them, like Cristiano Ronaldo, who you know healed in two and a half weeks instead of two and a half months using stem cells. And they all, no, 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 it won't work. And I heard a mixture of things. So I called a gentleman who's now, he's a good friend of mine, but he's now my co-author, Dr. Peter Diamandis. He's a rocket scientist, and he's also a, uh, you know, he's an MD from Harvard. And he said, you got to talk to Bob Harari. He's the best in this area. And it was kind of like saying, you want to learn about basketball, talk to LeBron James. He's, he knows everything. And so long story short, he said, Tony, once you're 40, the stem cells drop off the cliff. So using your own stem cells, they might be useful for an elbow or a knee, but not for your entire shoulder and your spine. You need stem cells with a force of life in them, life force. And he said, you need 40-year-old stem cells. And I said, I don't want fetal tissue. He goes, it's not that. It's when we have babies, usually, unfortunately, they throw away some of those valuable material, the cord and also the placenta that are filled with this force of life, these incredible stem cells. And he told me where to go. I did, Brian, I did three days of just 20 minutes of an IV and a shot. First day, I was relaxed, kind of sleepy. Second day, I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning, and for the first time in 14 years, not only was my shoulder perfect, I've had the MRI since then, with no surgery, literally in two days, but my spinal stenosis is gone. I stand, I have zero pain in my spine. And so that made me an evangelist. I want to know everything about stem cells. But then I discovered it's not just stem cells, Brian. There is a revolution. Same thing we've seen in technology, you know, where things double in their power every 18 months and half in their cost. We are made of code. And so now there are these breakthroughs that are extraordinary. And I get invited by the Pope, it turns out. The Pope does, every two years, the biggest regenerative conference in the world because he believes this is a gift from God. 
and he brings all the top scientists. So they asked me if I'd be the cleanup speaker, and I said, you know, happily, but I want to go to the whole program, all three days of all these doctors. So I met doctors that are, you know, people that were sent home. I met at least two dozen people sent home with cancer, various forms, to die because they were just untreatable. And then he went to people like Dr. Junes, the CAR T gentleman. And, you know, these people are 10 years later completely free of cancer still, and the CAR T cells are still there. There's a big article about it in Nature last week. I met Jack Nicholas, you know, the greatest golfer of all time, and they were going to fuse his spine because he couldn't stand for more than 10 minutes without searing pain. And, you know, spinal fusion rarely works and limits you completely. Thank God he didn't do it. He did stem cells. And now he's 82 years old playing golf again and playing tennis. And, you know, so this just pushed me over the edge. So there's so much I could share with you, but I know our time's limited. But that's how this started. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to interview 150 of the number one Nobel laureates, scientists, and the top progenitive doctors on earth. And I'm going to simplify that and bring people what they can do to increase their energy, their strength, their vitality, how they can heal more rapidly, how they can slow down the, the aging process. And if they have major diseases, what are the alternatives that most people don't know about? And then we're, of course, donating all the money from this book like I did in my last three books so that we're in a position where we can feed 20 million people at Feeding America, and the balance of it is going to take care of three researchers that do Alzheimer's, cancer, and heart disease research, three of the best right. in the world. So a couple of things, too. A stenosis, narrowing of the spine, that's unbelievable. People listening right now, that's not an injury. That's something you inherit, right? That's right. And, and number and two, the injury can make it can make it worse, but it is it's genetic. So you uh, you happen to do your shoulder at the same time you say, but they look at do an X-ray and they go, wow, your spine's a mess too. On the top of that, you also write in your book that you had a tumor on your pituitary gland, and they thought, you know, you we got to take that out. Now, in retrospect, you say that's how you went from five one to six seven, and you grew ten inches in one year. That was probably the tumor that did that. When you probably had that your whole life. That's also a big decision not to get that removed, correct? Very much so. But, you know, one of the things I learned, it started early in my life when I, I you know, I don't know how many people have this, but I have this obsessive fear about cancer. Uh, you know, I, I worked my tail off. I was working with some of the top athletes in the world, some presidents of countries, and I was a kid. And so I was like, my brain was like, okay, well, maybe I'm supposed to die young. That's why this is happening so quick. And I started obsessing about cancer. And of course, you obsess on it. You tend to experience it. My first experience, though, was my girlfriend at that time who came home and her mom, she was out of control crying. Her mom was told that she had cancer and that she needed to go home to die. She had nine weeks. And if it had been me, I probably wouldn't have geared up. But, you know, most of us will do more for other people we love than ourselves. And I was like, my whole thing was there are thousands of people who have been in stage four cancer and healed. I'm going to find out what those things are. She's not going to die. And so I read every book I could. I found this book by a man who had pancreatic cancer, which is the most deadly, and was alive 15 years later, and he described what he did. And today there are better books. But I gave her this book and said, they said you're going to die. Why don't you read this? And she was inspired. She did it. Within a couple of weeks, there was a tumor on the back of her shoulder and her feminine organs. Within a few weeks, she felt better. In about nine weeks, you couldn't see or feel the tumor. And so they eventually did exploratory surgery because she'd outlived when they thought she'd live. And all they found left was the size of my pinky's fingernail. That was it. And they said, this is a miracle. Well, you know, she said, it is a miracle, but this is what I did. And they go, no, this is a miracle. That was when she was 43. She's now 85, still alive today. And that changed my view. So when I started doing my homework, the Mayo Clinic itself says you've got to get a second opinion. And most people don't. And the reason they say that is because they did a study with, in 2017 with 286 people, various diagnoses. And they found that only 12% of the time was the first and second diagnosis the same. Brian, that's 88% of the time it was different. 
So they believe you should get multiple diagnoses. And by doing that, you get a better idea of what's real and you have a better treatment. And as I went through my situation, there's been no change in my arteries. I have gigantism is what it's called. This growth hormone shot through my body from a tumor. It's still there. It infarct. It means it's swallowed up a little bit. And when I looked at my options, I said, well, if there's nothing wrong with me, why would I go take a drug or why would a surgery? Surgery, I could die or I could lose all, you know, my, my you know, hormonal system would be out of balance forever. Uh, and if I took this injection they wanted me to do every six months, I found out six months later it never made it to the U.S. I was have to go to Switzerland because it created cancer. And I finally got a doctor that said to me, Tony, you have the ability to recover that's insane. You do the equivalent of two marathons in a weekend and you recover two days later. He goes, I know bodybuilders that pay $1,200 a month for what you get for free. So, so I've measured it. I was 32 and that happened. I'm going to be 62 in a few weeks. I've never had a problem and I don't live in fear. So when you also say that the stem cell is like the wild west, so you got to, you can't just say all stem cells are the same where they get it from umbilical cord um, is where a lot of it's stored. Now people do that, I guess uh, for their kids. Are you saying you could yes. go with, with, with the company that you guys have uh, formed would, in other words, the quality is good. If you pick the wrong people, uh, could the results be devastating? When someone says, I got a stem cell treatment for you, are you investing without insurance ten to $20,000? No, actually, the prices have come down massively. Um, so, you know, you, you can have an elbow or something of that done for less than what a minor surgery would be. But, uh, but they used to be that price. It's changed radically. But, yes, it is the Wild West. That's why I wrote an entire chapter on it and showed people what to do. But the FDA has approved it for over 80 diseases. There have been more than a million people treated. The only places you hear these horror stories, and I put the horror stories in the book, are people that do something like they mix stem cells with some cancer treatment and inject it into somebody's eye, for example. I mean, it's just completely insane things. But in order to get this, you don't have to be involved with our companies. We have companies that do this. You, we tell you all the different sources you can go to. And all you need to do is make sure that for what you need, the type of stem cell is going to be strong enough and also that it's reputable and that it's you know, approved by the FDA if it's in the U.S. or outside the U.S. by the local authorities there. Yeah, so Tony Robbins, our guest, his book is now out, Life Force, How New Breakthroughs in Precision Medicine Can Transform the Quality of Your Life and Those You Love. What I also thought was encouraging is you talk about how prices are coming down. We always hear such depressing things about health care, how we're going to afford it, and big pharma and hospital costs and, uh, and all these things that play into it. How do you get the capitalist mindset, a capitalist economy, along with health care, the method people look at as benevolence and something that should be automatic. You say these breakthroughs are coming through so quick, the prices are coming down all around. Yeah, and again, I don't say it. We quote all the doctors that are doing it right now. But one of the reasons is, you know, I'm old enough to remember having one of those original Motorola cell phones. It was two pounds. It was a foot yeah. long. It costs four thousand dollars. It'd be ten thousand dollars in today's money. You charge it for six hours, so you get thirty minutes of talk time. And now you get a cell phone like an Apple phone, and it's free with a contract, and it's got 100 times more power than the computers that put the Apollo moon launch in back, right? So that's what's happening. Every 18 months, technology is doubling. Prices are happening. But in traditional medicine, not regenerative medicine, they're not using technology as much at the same level. And, but also, even with that, like an MRI can be very expensive. There's a new company that's building an MRI that doesn't cost $2 million. It costs $25,000, and it's portable. So this is the type of thing that's pretty extraordinary. So in the book, I show you what are the simple things you can do that just change your life? What can you do with sleep? What can you do with your diet? What can you do with exercise? What are the things you do? What are the nutrients? Like, for example, there's a Harvard professor 
um, uh, who is 53 years old. He's a geneticist, very famous. And he is now 33 years old biochemically. He did this to his 80-year-old father who couldn't walk and was cognitively dissident after 72 years old. He's now 80 and outlifts David, this man's uh, Dr. David. It outlifts him in the gym. I've been doing what he taught for the last eight months since I interviewed him. I just recently had my test. I'm, as I'm going to say, going to be 62 in a couple of weeks, but I'm 51 chronologically, or excuse me, biochemically, and my goal is to get that into the middle 40s if I can. And, and that is through this stem cells? Well, no, it's not just stem cells. There are, and it's a little complex, trying to explain really fast, but most people know that the energy in your body comes from something called mitochondria. They're in every cell of your body. The brain of the cell, that right? Affect, that's right. And they are the basis of life. If someone has cyanide, for example, they die in 30 seconds because there's no oxygen to this area that creates the energy in your body. And you create twice your body weight each day in ATP, which is the mitochondria creates for energy. But as you get older, this gets disrupted. And so there are some new tools, that actually naturally things in your body that drop off around 50 years old by more than 50% that when you add them back into the system, turn things around. And I'll just give you an example. There's one called NMN, some people may have heard of, but you have to get a real source. Most of it isn't, unfortunately. Most of it's empty. When we've gone through six companies, there's nothing in it. And I don't think they're trying to cheat people. It comes from China, but the breakdown is 30 to 45 days. But there's a brand new form of this where they've given it, for example, to an old mouse, like a 70-year-old mouse is like 24-month-old mouse. And if that mouse is put on a treadmill, it can do a quarter of a kilometer. A young, powerful mouse could do four times that, a full kilometer. When they give this NMN, this natural substance that allows you to generate more energy in your mitochondria, and there's a 30% uptake in this mouse, the old mouse will run two, after 14 days, will run two to three kilometers. That's two to 300% more than the fastest and strongest mouse. And you say, well, does that transfer to humans? That's a great question. Well, the good news is there's a company called Metro Biotech that's out of Boston, and they've been working for two years with the special forces. And this is supposed to be top secret, but about two weeks ago, the, the Globe and Mail, not the Globe and Mail, the Daily Mail did a story because the commander got so excited that he spilled the beans, not all of them. So I can't tell you all the details. I've invested in the company, but I can tell you that what they're finding with special forces, the strongest people we have are men and women in this country. They're seeing massive increases in their endurance, massive increase in their muscle development from the same exercises. Yeah. And most importantly, massive improves in cognitive, which is the most important thing when you're on special forces and you're exhausted. Can you keep your head together? And, you know, your brain takes more energy than any other part of your body. I'm at a chess player that's not playing world chess at 60, 72, and just started doing it again because he's part of this study. So in, it's not a nutraceutical. It's being tracked by the FDA. And in 18 to 24 months, they believe it'll be available, and it'll be available to anyone. So wow. imagine having something that gives more energy at a cellular level in your body that's natural, wow. but it also cleans up your DNA. So these are the types of things that are out there. I show you what's out there right now you can do and what's coming in the next 12 to 36 months. Tony, it's been, what an education. Uh, Life Force uh, is now out. Go pick it up. Uh, Tony Robbins on the cover. Glad you're okay and glad you're 100% and one did the research. Uh, Tony, I'll see you soon. Thanks so much. I'll see you then, buddy. Thank All right. you. All right. Uh, what an education. one 408 7669 Back with you in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hearing the same messaging, criticizing states that are, you know, making these moves like we heard previously, um, 
with, for instance, Ron DeSantis. There's a difference between standing in the way of it, threatening to pull back funding, and allowing for local school districts to make choices, which is what a number of these states are doing. But you make a ruling in Virginia and in Florida, and then you stop the parents from making a choice. At what point are my, are we free to do anything? My superintendent's robbing me from what my governor's allowing me to do. I'm assuming my superintendent's allowing me to do something that my governor doesn't want me to do. It's time for the people to get out of the way. And for kids and students, if your supervisor and principal is not going to take the mask off and you want it off, you should be able to move. And if you're going to hold on to that power that you have because you're paranoid and don't want to study the science we've all had to study on our own because we can't trust anyone, that's on you. Mike's in Cleveland. Hey, Mike. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me on. No Big problem. Fan. Thank you. Uh, I just want to let everybody know I live in the suburb of Cleveland, one of the best school districts in the whole state of Ohio. Uh, the end of spring uh, when 2020 was happening and all this shit started. Oh, sorry. Uh, all this stuff started. Our kids were out of school at the very end of the year. Then the start of the year happened, the, you know, the end of 2020, in the fall, two months in, we got a message from the PTA that said, hey, we heard you. Kids are going back to class. Now, they've been in masks ever since Monday. Monday, they were allowed to take their masks off. But what I'm saying is, parents, it's okay. We're out there. We have a, a, a decent-sized city a great school district. The kids have been going to athletic contests and events in school every day. Mike, I think everybody needs to hear that because a typical parent telling about what they're experiencing, what their worries are, it means a lot. Also, look at the U.K. They dropped everything, including isolations after testing positive. They're ready to go. Denmark, Ireland, everybody. What about us? From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.